Andrew? Hello, Mr. Amit. How are you? Good. How you doing? You all right? A little bit of drama just to just to start the afternoon, but uh, all better now. Thank you. Right, good stuff. Um, cool. So let's just wait for everyone to drop in. Thanks to thanks to you guys who have already tuned in. We've got a few more better dropping in. Um, but cool. How's your week been, Andrew? Excellent. Good. Yeah, yeah. Literally, very, uh, very good. Up until the point I just went ice skating in the restroom. Um, so that was uh, that was good fun. So there was uh, there was basically yeah, just a huge uh kind of uh i, I was i was put in a position i haven't been in for many years to be fair um so, so that's why just a tiny bit flustered um and that's why we we're just a bit late there but other than that the week's been actually good yeah busy um as always uh, which is a positive sign so i think um you know the uh, the market is is still kind of uh still kind of busy which is uh, which is positive i think so yeah how's your week been yeah, pretty similar actually. There's a lot going on. So um, yeah, it's funny. I had a call with someone today, and um, and the first thing she said was, and she's like, oh, she's been here forever. So she's been in Dubai for about twenty years, and she said, she goes, how are things? Because she goes, I just have got no time to breathe at the moment. It just feels so busy. And and I said to her, I was like, honestly, my my kind of litmus test of busy and if things are potentially good in Dubai is if I'm getting stuck in traffic. And yesterday. I don't brave it out of the house too often, but yesterday I was uh, stuck on Hesse Street at about quarter past four, which was Perfect. a normal kind of rush of, I'm going to get on Hesse Street before everyone else does rush. That's right. Um, yeah. yeah, which was which was really interesting. So that was that was a good sign. It was that, <laughs> in all fairness, I think it was probably the first time I've been happy to be stuck in Hesse Street traffic because <laughs> it's a sign of sign of positivity that there's people in Dubai doing stuff, right? That's um, it. Excellent. Yeah, get a chance to listen to another podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So it was good. It was. Uh, yeah. So. So. Yeah. Pretty positive, actually. But. But yeah. All good. So. Um, what's the time? Let's have a look. About five past. Okay. Cool. Shall we? Shall we crack on, Andrew? Um, I think we've we'll, got quite we'll a lot on, to yeah, kind of cover. Is, yeah. We have, as usual. It's. Uh, it's kind of. You know. We look at. We look at our notes and we say, well, okay, are we going to get time? Is there enough time? Is it going to go too quick? But I think. Uh, We've got quite a quite a lot to go through, so probably best to, to kind of kick off, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think just before we start, um, I'm seeing some new faces um, or some new names at least. Um, so, guys, if it's the first time you're joining the show, welcome. Uh, great to have you here. Um, how the show works is that it's very interactive. So, if you do have any questions along the way, anything that you want to ask, uh, use the Q and A button at the bottom of your screen. There's also a little chat function. Um, but yeah, feel free to engage with any of those. Um, and, um, and yeah, we, and, and, you know, we'll tackle those as we go along. If you, if there's anything that's really kind of urgent, I think there's a kind of raise hand button that you have there. Feel free to use that. Um, yeah, let's, um, yeah. So, I think, so I guys, you, any questions? You, you, yeah. you, you panicked people then, Amit, where you said, you know, I've seen new faces and people are like, hold oh, on, no, right. yeah, hold on. You, can't, you can't see me, my camera's <laughs> off, I'm here in my pants, but uh, no, don't worry, we can't see you. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, I realised as soon as I said it. Fantastic, <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, you know, so we've, we had a few emails, I think once our kind of email went out yesterday, which was the name of this episode. And, um, and, it, and it's funny, it's kind of, I guess I guess it's it's a time of the year that we both kind of look forward to for many reasons. But um, obviously, the name of the episode was the "Why Aren't We in Vegas?" episode, and um, 
and, and I know that confused a whole load of people because we got we got a few emails saying, um, "Are you guys in Vegas?" We're like, "No, no, we're not." In, <laughs> but, but what we're does not, it mean then? I was not. like, "Okay, we'll, we'll kind of explain." It's a bit of an in joke, and then I realised actually, for launching a kind of webinar and podcast with an in joke, that's probably not the smartest thing to do. But hey, we've still got people rocking up and watching the show, so we'll, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it as a positive. Um, but yeah, Andrew, we're, we're, I mean, tell, tell, tell anyone who's kind of intrigued as to why we called the show what we have today. Where are we normally and, um, and, and why aren't we there right now? Yeah, yeah. So, so genuinely, usually we are at this point either in Vegas or on the back of a trip, uh, you know, climbing back on a plane after getting no sleep for four days. And um, that really just became a bit of a tradition from going to inbound. So inbound um, is the, the kind of largest event in inbound and pretty much marketeers calendar. Uh, for the year. So last year, 27,000 people at the event. We've been going for the last six, seven years, is it? Six or seven years. Um, yeah. So the event's held in Boston where HubSpot, you've heard us speak about HubSpot before on this show. If you if you kind of uh, go back and watch some of the previous episodes or you've tuned in to, to watch our previous ones. So we usually go to this huge marketing event, sales and marketing event spread over kind of four days. Uh, you know, real uh, full day sessions, interactive sessions across a whole load of tracks. So not just um, HubSpot and inbound focused, but also just everything associated to the world of marketing and sales. So, um, yeah, it's something that we've, has been in the calendar and what we've done in the previous years is, you know, because it's Boston um, and Vegas is really close to Boston, just it's a kind of quick seven hour flight. Uh, we've just taken that opportunity to to kind of blow off some steam after a, after a four day dive, and and I think the thing is we look forward to it because you know it, it's four days of of learning, it, it just four days of taking in knowledge and and then kind of digesting that, and then you know kind of bit of a bit of a, a brain overload, and then kind of a blow off of steam, and then come back and then see how you can start to apply some of this knowledge and knowledge transfer to to the team. At Nexa, and then ultimately, obviously, from a client perspective. So, you know, with with COVID, uh, you know, still swinging, um, the the decision was made to to kind of migrate it to an online event, and then the decision was to scale back the event. So it was two days as opposed to the four, um, and uh, and obviously that was last week as well. Uh, so yeah. so yeah, that's 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 basically why we find ourselves both in Dubai. Um, you know, uh, different parts of Dubai today, but that's where we find ourselves here as opposed to, yeah. yes, somewhere else, let's say. But yeah. again, as you said, in-jokes are a bit of a challenge when it comes to uh, global <laughs> shows. You know, so, I mean, look, what, what, what's really interesting is obviously, um, you know, the event itself, um, I think why we enjoy it is because it really does focus on sales and marketing as opposed yeah. to just a marketing show or a sales show. Yes. Yes. Um, and I think I think for those of you who, who you know, I think we've we've been talking about it a lot uh, on these shows, but um, on this show, sorry, but you know, everyone kind of talks a lot about kind of marketing and sales alignment, how sales and marketing now shouldn't really be separated into into two different silos, how these should be really kind of integrated, and then if you integrate, you know, you get better results. And and there's a lot of research, a lot of studies about this. Uh, I think what HubSpot have been very smart at is to is to say, okay, well, cool, we get this. And therefore, let's have a sales and marketing conference uh, combined and merged into one, which is the reason yeah. why we need perhaps four days when most conferences are perhaps two or three days. Uh, but in those four days, there's going to be so much content, so much information, uh, and so much knowledge transfer, as you quite rightly said, that's yeah. going to 
you know, be shared. And and I think why we look forward to it is because obviously, you know, we're not a marketing focused agency, I guess, you know, we, we, we do a lot of kind of sales work, a lot of CRM work. Um, and, and when you have, you know, an opportunity for four days of kind of intense learning. Um, and again, we're learning, learning from some of the best kind of speakers in the world. Um, you know, and, and again, and, and the reason that happens is again, like you said, the magnitude of the event. Um, I think when we first went, 10,000 people was perhaps a struggle for them. Um, actually, yeah. I think it was about 7,000 and went, suddenly yeah. went to 10,000. And, and that jump from seven to 10 was a real, I think they almost didn't expect it. But yeah. since then, it's been absolutely seamless. And, and the fact they had a 20, 25,000, 27,000 last year, um, and it ran absolutely seamlessly was, was, was brilliant because it meant we can go to whichever sessions that we need to go to, speak to whoever we needed to speak to, network with whoever we needed to network with. Um, and, and yeah, it's sort of testament. And it was just a massive shame that we couldn't obviously be there this year. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think the thing was, we, we still had high hopes for this year um, still had kind of strong caliber of speakers, good yeah. air breakout sessions. Um, but I think the thing is, you know, up until this point, actually, I, I've kind of been one of those firm believers that the events business would change dramatically like it has. And I didn't think it would ever go back. Um, I do think there is a place for virtual events or potentially a hybrid, but I, I think, you know, what is lost um, in, in, in some of these, you know, kind of non-physical events is, is the networking opportunities. It's the, I, I said it, I was talking to a friend this morning and I basically said, you know, you, you sit down at a session and, and you, you lean to the guy next to you and say, hey man, where have you coming from? What are you doing? You know, oh yeah, I know I own a, you know, a, a construction company in, in kind of Michigan. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Why are you here? Well, I want to learn more about the sales process. So I think the thing is that that connectivity um, is a struggle online because as much as people are like, hey, connect with me, LinkedIn, do this, do that, you know, you, you miss you miss breaks. Um, and then also just the point to collaborate uh, because, you know, when, when obviously when we're all collectively going to the event, um, you're bouncing off each other in mid-sessions, you're having lunch with each other, you're breaking out. And obviously, I mean, time considerations it was still in u.s timing so here the sessions ran till kind of five in the morning so it's not always practical during the busy week obviously when you're when you're operating to to, to sit with those lives so i think as much as they did a, a i'd say kind of you know sterling job as far as still trying to create this this event um i think the inbound is very much about an experience it, it, it's a movement right you've got some real kind yeah. of because it's american it's quite happy clappy I don't mind saying that because uh, we've got some American yeah. viewers. Um, but I think that that just kind of builds that momentum and that, that kind of, yeah. you know, togetherness that, that's rough on an online event. Yeah, look, I think I think there's a couple of really interesting points there. And guys, we, we are going to go into some of the kind of findings and insights. Um, yes. Yes, we are. So, 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 you know, entertain us for a little bit, but, uh, but essentially, yeah. we're just um, reminiscing. We're just, we're just having a moment. Yeah, but, but no, but, but, but the point's important, Andrew, because, because I think we're, they obviously couldn't hold an in-person event, right? So that's fully that's right. accepted, and nobody's really been able to hold any kind of a, event of any kind of magnitude over the last six months. We get that, or seven months. Yeah. But I think the the challenge is, and I think I think what you've said is is really true that. Online events are definitely here to stay, right? Because there's some events that you just don't need to travel to. If it's a regional event, yeah. if it's perhaps a local event, uh, I think a lot of these things and a lot of these kinds of events, uh, you know, B2B events, you know, where it's kind of maybe a sales event, you know, where you haven't got 
a thousand people attending, but you perhaps have got a couple of hundred. You know, I think those yeah. kinds of events um, are very kind of replicable using you know virtual off conferencing sort of technology. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we 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 held uh, you know we supported a rather large event which had about eleven hundred members uh, just a couple of weeks ago where. Um, and that was a, you know, a government event that was, and yeah. again, I think for those kind of events, because it was local, it works, but I think you're right. The second you turn into something that is, is larger where you've got, you know, people traveling from all over the world. Yeah. Yes. You know, virtual events will save things, you know, save money on flights. It will save money on hotels, but essentially whether we were over there or whether we were watching from here, our week was still ruined because we were up most of the night <laughs> watching this conference and still expected to perform the next day. Right. And, and, you know, and that doesn't work, but if no. we, you know, it's, and there's also, you know, they, they did say, Hey, we'll give you access. You can listen afterwards, but then you've got the fear of missing out and all of those things coming on. We need to know <laughs> what's going on. Obviously HubSpot's pretty important to us, but you know, it's, it's, it just didn't work. And look, I mean, I think, you know, we've got, a lot of people have spoken about this. A lot of agency friends of ours who, who also attend the event have said exactly the same thing that, um, you know, this isn't really something that kind of functions. I think if it's if it's the first time we've ever engaged with this event, and it and it might have been for quite a few people who perhaps That's couldn't have travel before, right? Awesome, because I think what you got to see was the caliber of speaker, uh, yeah. and and the quality of content and knowledge that was shared. What you've missed out on actually is about ninety percent of the event, which is yeah. all of those other bits, right? Um, and 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 also, you know, there's a good chance I think the guys in Australia who are watching it, you know. They stayed up and then three o'clock in the morning, I think once the clocks have changed somewhere in the world, something, you know, technology broke. And, and you know, so it's it's tough. But look, I think things like that will improve. I think there's, there must be a ton of companies right now who are really kind of investing in innovation around large virtual conferences. Yeah. Where perhaps you do have um, a much more kind of immersive experience, even if you are kind of watching it from your laptop. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, the reality is we don't know when these kind of events are going to come back in, right? And so, no. you know, I think none of us expected that heading into October, we would still be perhaps, you know, the same sort of numbers that we had in March and April. So, so it is what it is. I think, you know, we, we um, you know, it was a good experience, um, but I wouldn't recommend for anyone to to go and do something <laughs> similar on a large global scale event. I just, I just don't think it worked. But anyway, cool. But moving on. That said, there were some really, really good insights. Yeah. And um, yeah, and yeah. I mean, look, so I think what, what we've what we've decided to do, guys, today is we've we've picked out uh, two or three of us, two or three sessions each that Andrew and I did. Maybe perhaps the most kind of insightful ones are ones that are more kind of relatable to our audience, whether you're watching in the UK or or, or the UAE or even in the states, as Andrew said. Um, so I think let's kind of talk about maybe one of your sessions, Andrew. Um, which one do you want to start with? Uh, yeah, I'll kick off with obviously something I think that's actually really relevant and I was quite surprised to see on the agenda and that's TikTok. Um, so we obviously, okay. TikTok feels a bit like Snap did a couple of years ago where there was a lot of talk of it regionally and then when we were going to global events, there was very little talk about it. Um, so, you know, until it's almost like the, the US kind of picks up on some of these things a bit later. Uh, I think we've spoken about it before and you've spoken about the conferences that because some of these social platforms don't come with a rule book uh, here, they're perfectly suited for that. Because And they're, we're also in a very social environment in the Middle East. People are very socially active and socially together. So obviously, um, I was keen to watch um, this session. Um, and we'll share, 
I think we can share with the notes. We're going to start sharing kind of growth show notes afterwards so we can share some of these, uh, these people and give them proper shout outs. Um, but I went to a session and it was all basically about the emergence of TikTok and, and how kind of brands are starting to, to embrace um, the platform. Obviously, at the moment in the US, they're going through a bit of a, a challenge with the, with the kind of legality of the platform, but that didn't stop them talking about it and, and obviously how uh, it is being, is being used. Um, I think what's interesting from the, from the kind of takeaway session is how TikTok is being used differently um, to, to other social platforms. So, you know, we know this ourselves from TikTok and, and kind of working with them that from an advertising perspective, there is a, an ad management platform and you can run, you know, similar ads as you would across Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, but they really try to encourage you to embrace the platform, embrace the creativity and, and try to be more creative in, in, in your ad engagement. Um, and you can definitely see that in, in some of the kind of samples I pulled up, like Taco Bell and McDonald's more. This was more of a B2C um, driven uh, kind of talk. So, that, that, you know, from a B2B perspective, there's still a nervousness associating to, to potentially a platform that's in for kids. Right. Um, but it was just it was just interesting uh, that, that how the, the, the most successful campaigns that are run on there are the ones that have fully embraced the platform. Um, and have done these challenges. So it's, it's kind of encouraging large volumes of user-generated content. Um, and as much as we see that to a certain extent on you know, Instagram and sometimes Snap with some filters and people sharing and generating their own content, um, it seems to be the primary or drive for TikTok as a platform. So if you're there as a brand, as an advertiser, um, you know, there, they also spoke about the virility of the platform. Um, so what is quite unusual is that you can have zero followers, put up a video and basically get millions of views. Um, it really is, you know, and it has happened. So this hasn't happened. It's happened multiple times. Uh, Bella Porch is, is one of the new trending stars on there. Um, had the most viewed videos 75 million times with just a face zoom and the little quirky thing. So it, they said that there's a real opportunity to kind of just go viral as it were on the application. Um, the algorithm okay. is, is continually trying to learn, uh, you know, what you like as a user and trying to show you this. And so it was, I'd say that was, an, you know, the fact that you can go on there, you don't necessarily have to build a huge following to impact your, your engagement. Because as we know here, you know, the kind of older social networks like Facebook, like Instagram, you know, as time has gone on and they've monetized the platform more, your organic reach has almost dropped off a cliff. So even if you have a strong following, obviously the, the challenge of, of that is, is still there. Um, Snap to a certain extent still, obviously, because people have to choose to watch your content still, um, it still has a strong, uh, strong organic reach. And we've seen that through influencer yeah. campaigns. Um, but TikTok definitely is, is a platform that you kind of need to keep your eye on uh, in the B2C space. Cool. And, and also, I think, the, well, I think you say B2C as well, but I'm interested in how, um, how TikTok evolves um, once this kind of takeover is done, right? So you, you look, you're talking about Oracle and Walmart of all companies who are basically yeah. now going to be potentially working together and who are going to own the global rights to TikTok, um, which, you know, if you guys didn't know, it's a Chinese platform, but, you know, there's all sorts of kind of privacy issues and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think it would be really interesting. Microsoft lost out, uh, but yeah, Oracle and Walmart right now, if they, if they take over, it will yeah. be interesting to see what kind of direction uh, the platform kind of heads in. And, and Oracle, for me, more interestingly, uh, because, yeah, I, I, you know, I think I, if, I if, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
I was going to say, so what's you, interesting you about that? You told me to name. <laughs> Come on, brilliant. Hey. <laughs> Go on, so, I mean, what I was going to say is like, if you know, if you'd asked me to name 20 tech companies that could have potentially bought TikTok, Walmart wouldn't have been one of them. You know, it was just a point yeah. I was going to make. No, no. And look, uh, so interestingly enough as well, the deal, I, I don't know if you've kind of dug down into the deal, but they're not releasing any of their kind of proprietary um, algorithm. So, yeah. you know, that's not part of the deal, um, yeah. you know, which, which, which seems crazy. I mean, it's almost like just a pure access deal. Listen, you're going to have access to this audience, um, but we're not going to give you any of the secret sauce, um, which I guess is a bit like, you know, owning a franchise in KFC, right? You get to run a KFC, but you don't get to know the, 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 the blend of herbs and spices, as it were. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, in that sense, I mean, the data side of it obviously does make sense for Oracle because, yeah. you know, they, they've got, uh, they've obviously got a huge uh, database. They, they, you know, they license this database out to ad agencies. And yeah. I mean, it's incredible the kind of data they do have. So TikTok, I guess, gives them access to the kind of data that they wouldn't normally have. Right? And I think that, that makes it really yeah. kind of interesting from their perspective. But yeah, yeah I mean, the, gen, the, gen, the Gen Zs that they're going after, which, which traditionally perhaps, you know, the Gen Zs are, are odd as well from there. I mean, obviously, as you said, Oracle has huge amounts of data, uh, the ability to, you know, track and target people from credit card purchases. Um, you know, when you look at something like um, the, the users or some of the big influencers on TikTok, there's no mention of credit card, visas, MasterCard, it's Cash App, it's Venom, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's a different type of audience that they can tap into. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, as far as the ability to add them to that platform and start to market to that audience, um, no one else is going to have that data. Yeah. Yeah. No, very true. Cool. Let's move on. Um, yeah. What's, uh, so, what's, yeah. what's one of your ones? So I think, I think the, the session that I quite liked was um, there was one that was kind of outbound versus inbound, which I felt was quite good. Um, it's funny because two of the two of the guys who are on that session, uh, I think we know quite well. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, George George Thomas, who um, has a shade same name as your dad, but isn't your dad, right, Andrew? No, and um, <laughs> and uh, a guy called Remington Beg, and um, again, a very cool guy. He's based out of Florida, but essentially, what they were talking about was really that battle between sort of inbound marketing and outbound marketing, right? What works better? You know, which one's more efficient? Which one generates the best results? And it was a debate-style um, uh, session, which I felt was quite cool as well. That does work for that kind of interactive... Yeah, yeah, really well. You know, digital kind of session. I think much more than a presentation. But yeah, um, but yeah no, it was cool. So I, I quite like that. And, and again, some of the key points around that. Is, and, you know, I guess it's stuff that we've, we've uh, wrestled with as well for a while. Um, because, again, we were very much in the digital kind of inbound marketing camp. Uh, you know, a customer or a prospect is more likely to close if they're coming to you as opposed to the other way around. Um, and, you know, in all fairness, we've kind of really kind of built the business on that premise. But we've often said to each other um, that inbound is great, but it really does need a bit of outbound to make it even better, right? You know, that, that whole ability to pick up the phone to somebody, you know, to, to make a cold call if that's what you need to do. I think that really kind of supplements that kind of inbound approach and one without the other potentially doesn't work as well. And I think on, you know, the sort of converse to that is um, outbound becomes more effective when you've got some sort of inbound ingredients, right? So yeah. if you are going to pick up the phone, knowing some level or having some level of insight that that person is interested, using inbound marketing tools like HubSpot, like other tracking tools 
kind of gives you that insight, right? You know, okay, that person is engaged right now. He hasn't told us that he wants to speak to us, but yeah. he clicked on this page, this page, this page. He's opened six emails, clicked on four links on those emails, engaged with us on social. This is someone who's right for a conversation. And, and I think it's that use of technology and that inbound technology, which again makes outbound uh, so much more stronger. And, and a quite, you know, and I think it, I felt it was a very good session. I think they made some good points. I think you saw that one as well, right? Were, were there any kind yeah. of... Yeah, you know, I, I think um, what was interesting is, is, you know, as much as it was a kind of healthy and, and jolly debate, I think, you know, towards the end that they both kind of agreed that they would just, as you said, work, you know, well with each other. And, and I think that as marketeers or as commercially driven people, you know, we're starting to see that firsthand. Like you said, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can actually yeah. have a quite nice uh, kind of coexistence that, that, that really play well with each other. And the fact that you can start to kind of pull in that information, I guess, you know, that back in the day when it was very outbound driven, there was there was no information available to you. So even something as basic as, a, you know, checking out somebody's LinkedIn profile to understand even if you're talking to the right individual with inside of an organization, yeah. right, um, to give you some sort of knowledge, there was none of that. So, you know, when you combine, you know, some of the tools that are available now as an outbound individual, and as you said, that intelligence piece that inbound does deliver, you're having a more qualified conversation. And I guess it's, you know, in the e-commerce terms, is that last kilometer, right? Or last half kilometer. You know, there's only so much uh, to a certain extent, unless you're running an e-commerce environment, if you actually have to have a conversation or, you know, qualify a call, or especially for some of the kind of enterprise level deals out there where you have to kind of negotiate and organize, you know, exactly what you're offering. Um, that outbound piece is, is, is becoming more, Coming back to the party, right? I, I think, you know, what happens a lot in marketing is that, you know, the sexiest thing gets pulled to the front, right? And this is cool and this is this is fantastic. And some of the older tech kind of gets pushed back, right? And, it, and it's, oh, no, we don't need to call people, you know, we no, can do yeah. VR, you know? No, you're totally right. Look, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because, I mean, for some of you know, some of you don't, but we, we invested in a um, telesales operation. Um, you know, which is very much kind of outbound. And it was purely because of that, right? We, we just saw yeah. that actually what we're doing is pretty effective, but it only takes us so far. You know, if we now have the ability to, um, you know, have some sales professionals or telesales professionals now picking up the phone and taking our market or digital marketing qualified leads and then converting them into a sales uh, qualified lead, actually what we're producing is so much more for our clients. And, and it's funny, it's, it's, Genuinely, I think the people who understand that more, even there's digital marketers that don't understand why we've, why we've done what we have with Pipeline. Yeah. When you speak to inbound marketers, they get it straight away because they yeah. know, right? They know that, okay, great. You know, we're taking people maybe 70 or 80% of the way there, but we're not taking them 90 to 95. And that's yeah. really where we need to get to. But no, cool. But Angie, you mentioned, you mentioned LinkedIn, and I'm, I'm guessing there was quite a few kind of LinkedIn sessions that were of value. During a couple yeah, of days. it was. I mean, yeah, it, 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 that there's there's kind of the whole social selling scene, um, and and how people are, are changing their prospecting activity. Um, you know, you got you got a lot of. Um, so obviously, we said it, it, it's a global event, but it's quite US centric. Um, so similar to you know this part of the world, there's still a lot of premise based sales, right? You know, what do I mean by that? I mean literally, guys getting on the road, knocking on doors, you know, meeting people, shaking hands, having coffee. Um, what which would almost ordinarily seem like an old school, old school sales environment. Um, and obviously, you know, with the rise of COVID, that's disappeared, right? Um, so there's no ability to, you know, not only go and knock on doors, but then meet people, right? So it's all kind of transitioned on, online. So 
there was there was some really good sessions um and 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 for me it kind of split between two areas so first and foremost it was the social selling and using a platform like linkedin and their their platform sales navigator to prospect so you can't mm -hmm. kind of you know go and knock on doors so what can you do right so you know, looking at, you know, opportunities using something like Sales Navigator or even the bare minimum of, of LinkedIn to identify prospects, right? Um, and, and, and engage in an outbound program. But what was quite interesting is there was a few sessions where they were saying that, you know, you've got to, you can't do, and we've spoken about this before, you can't just connect with someone and sell to them straight away, right? Um, it's not the way it works. It, it doesn't feel comfortable online. It doesn't feel comfortable in a real environment, but online it feels even worse, right? Um, as yeah. far as yeah, connect with someone and we see it all the time connect me on LinkedIn. Hey, man I'm just want to sell something. So what was interesting is uh, the, the, What they were talking about is a kind of a wine and dine approach um, So engage with the prospect, you know, perhaps comment on some posts See if you can interact with them for a period of time before you kind of go after the jugular now You know that prospect usually knows what's going on um, people aren't stupid, but basically it's just an etiquette, right? So it's about moving etiquette and understanding online etiquette and kind of moving. So I thought that was interesting on how that approach was. Also, the use of video. So because you're not able to, you know, show personality, which is obviously, you know, a lot of the time a big part of selling and interacting and getting on with someone, um, it was using video tools. We've spoken about like Vidyard in the past, 23, you know, and, and that's that first initial interaction. So once you do feel confident enough to introduce yourself and you know just in that LinkedIn environment or over email use video right um, yeah. there's a much bigger response rate on kind of people coming back to you you have the ability to actually track as well and see if people have watched your video shared your video so it gives you kind of some insights of their interest level as well and the open rates are higher and, and obviously the, the, the kind of watches are higher as well so I thought that was a good insight that if you are going to kind of reach out to people through social selling um, you know, make sure that, that you do that bit of wine and dine and, and you are using different tools to communicate with them. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was actually going to say, I've, it's been quite interesting because I've, I've, rather than even people selling like products or services, um, I've started to see job seekers using the same sort of approach. So obviously yeah. we know that, I mean, I think any of us are spending any level of time on LinkedIn at the moment and just seeing how many people are kind of looking for work at the moment. Yeah. And I've started to see a bit of that kind of software approach rather than normally I'd get maybe 20 CVs a day coming in through LinkedIn. Um, you know, I'm starting to see people almost trying to nurture me and kind of warm me up. And then, and I've got no issues with that. It just shows that I okay, guess a little bit of tact there. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it's the right approach. I mean, that we're all human and we want to kind of, you know, not be immediately sold to, but I don't think many of us mind being sold to as well. Right. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the salesman in me likes a pitch, right? I like to listen to a pitch and understand what someone's offering. I think, you know, yeah. you said it there, there's, there's that, it's personalization. So a lot of it is around personalizing the messaging as opposed to just a blanket copy paste, which you can see, it still get it, yeah. like a copy paste, you know, what they've done is they've just changed your name told, and told them what they're selling, right? So aside from that, taking the extra time, any extra care, just to kind of personalize the approach, as you said, um, just shows that you, you know, you care and it's fine. I think we're all grown ups. Yeah. You may care about a hundred people that day, right? But you still taking the time to, to kind of learn a bit about the business or potentially what the opportunity is. Um, you know, and I, I had a really interesting um, conversation with somebody that, that was, you know, I, 
the approach was all wrong. They were basically talking about the fact that we can, you know, reduce this, reduce that. You can remove this, remove that. And I said, hold on a minute. We don't, you know, we don't, we, we don't need to do that. And he was like, no, no, no. I'm talking about click fraud. I can help with click fraud. And I was like, okay, great. But open with that. Don't talk about how we're going to remove this. And it was just, I think the thing is, again, it was, there's a lot of people to reach out without even reading a company profile, without even understanding the website going to it. So that was the first thing. Um, and then look, the second thing was, was linked to that. Um, and it was just that whole, you know, social, uh, selling approach, but more importantly, sales meeting. So, you know, how now should you conduct an online sales meeting? Right. Um, we've spoken about this before the very first time that kind of COVID started to hit and meetings started to disappear and we had to pitch, uh, to a client. We had one of those discovery meetings. It's, it was challenging, right? Um, and, and that's basically the, the consensus across the board. It's been challenging for everyone. So, you know, if yeah. you're in sales, obviously you do have certain triggers, right? So certain visual triggers, you know, when you meet someone, you're, you're perhaps kind of just from physical space, what does the office look like? You know, what are some of the cars look like parts outside? You meet someone wearing cufflinks, what watch, shoes. There's this kind of little visual triggers that you pick up over the year that basically help you understand you know the individual that you're talking to right um and then how they present themselves now obviously in this environment a lot of the time people's videos are off sound quality is bad right so you're originally you're already impaired from day one so it was interesting to to hear how people were approaching it so first and foremost um there's a real encouragement in any kind of meeting to you know softly encourage people to have their video on if they don't have their video on um, some organizations just have a camera on policy, so they won't meet you unless your camera's on, which I thought was quite hardcore. Um, but, uh, but what's interesting is they said straight away, you have like a visual connection, right? So you're able to kind of connect. And, and what they were saying was that no one cares that your cat's running across in front of you or your kids are running around in the background because it's the same for everyone. Right. It's, it's not, yeah. it, it, it's, it's basically, it doesn't matter. You know, some people don't have, they have connectivity issues, but everyone's going through the same thing. So, you know, try not to, to, to kind of be nervous about the fact that you're going to be on camera. So there was that, there was also talking to the camera. So when you're talking to someone so they can see you as, and then dart down to the individual, then dart back to that. And one thing that I thought was quite interesting, uh, and you kind of touched upon it just there when we were talking about the George Thomas and Remington, Reddington uh, session, Try not to have a real deck heavy, um, uh, got to be careful I say that, um, meeting, right? So, so what you don't want is you don't want death by PowerPoint anyway, but you definitely don't want death by PowerPoint over a Zoom meeting. So, you know, people want to see you, they want to see you talk and then kind of bounce between the two. Um, because again, you know, you switch on a deck, the camera goes off, people put it on mute and you kind of lose that interest. So they said, if you are, if you do have something to present, that's fine. Um, but just make it more interactive. So instead of kind of yeah. perhaps where you're in a, when you're in an office before previously, and you may have a presentation behind you, you can see visual triggers, you can see people, what they're up to. You don't have that online. So just reach yeah. out to the audience. So stop the presentation. Hey guys, you got any questions? Try to make it more interactive. So I think that was good advice um, from, from an yeah. online kind of sales meeting or online pitch perspective. There was some good, good takeaways okay. from the sessions. Yeah, cool. No, I'll go. That makes, makes total sense. Um, cool. Should we move on to the next one? Yeah, yeah. What was, uh, what was your next one? I think well, we both did this um, session, but you got some real stats that you've got to run through. 
Yeah, so it, actually, funnily enough, it, I mean, it goes, goes kind of hand in hand with, with something that you mentioned earlier about, you know, some of the old technology gets lost whenever something new happens. And, yeah. and, uh, and this, was, this session was really kind of just focused on email. And, um, and literally, I think the first title or the first page within the, and this, this was kind of like a, a text-heavy presentation, but it was, it was pretty fast and interactive, so it was good fun. But the first, um, the first kind of big point that was made was that email is cool again. You know, it was like a woohoo kind of moment, you know, and, it, yeah. and, and it's like it hasn't been cool for probably about 10 years, but all yeah. of a sudden now it's cool. And, um, and then, you know, the rest of the presentation was really kind of talking about some of the stats. And I thought that was really interesting. So just for a bit of context, the guy who was talking um, runs an email marketing business, but essentially had huge volumes of data that he was using for insights. And so the kind of... Uh, you know, the data set he was looking at was based on 200 million emails. So that's a lot, you know, a lot of emails. Lot. But that was 200 emails that were sent in March. Uh, so March this year. And then basically it was comparison uh, between emails that were sent out in August. Right. So you're talking about very, very much kind of early stages of COVID. Early stages, not really yeah. impacting everyone. Right. Especially not in the Western world. Yeah. Um, compared to August when everyone was impacted. And... So 200 emails based on that. And I'll, I'll read out some of the kind of cool stats based around this. But one of the things he said was that um, every single person is now spending more time inside their email inbox than they were in March. So yeah. in August, um, that figure was up substantially, right? Uh, any guesses as to how much more time we're spending in our email inbox, Andrew? Let's quiz. I mean, <laughs> so I've already forgotten the stat, but just from my own personal experience, I mean, it has to be at least uh you know kind of 50 percent more time right i mean just at least that okay so on average again across all these different email inboxes people are spending 22 percent more time in their inbox now than they were six months ago i mean even that's substantial because i mean most of us are spending a couple of day, hours a day already in there now if you're spending 20 okay. percent more time i mean that's 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 huge right um but during that time it's not just about us spending more time in our email inboxes open rates have also gone higher. And I think that's interesting. So, um, and that was across sort of B2B and across B2C as well, right? So from B2B perspective, uh, email open rates are up 16%, okay? So wow. we're not that's no huge. longer kind of ignoring emails. It is huge, right? Uh, from right. a B2C perspective, it's even higher. So 25%. So now, you know, again, that's significant, right? So if you imagine, yeah. again, that across that many number of emails, that's, that's it. I mean, these numbers are just not small. Um, newsletters. So, I mean, I'm subscribed to quite a lot of newsletters. I don't know, are you, Andrew? Yeah, no, I, I, I am, yeah, yeah, I am. Do you, are you opening more uh, newsletters now than what you were previously? Yeah, maybe? I mean, I, I, had, I had a good GDPR clean out when that whole came through and said, do you want to still subscribe to my newsletter? So I, I kind of had a good clean out as far as the ones that I, okay. uh, that I was looking at. But um, yeah, I mean, going back to obviously spending more time in your inbox and just focusing more, I guess, on what's coming through, I'm definitely kind of opening and clicking and reading, reading more. Reading more. Okay, so again, across the board, uh, newsletter open rates are up by 19%, right? Which is, again, huge. I mean, these are all small. Normally, yeah. 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 If, you're, if you're an email, if you're an email market, guys, for a bit of context, you celebrate a one or two percent increase. Uh, yeah, exactly. Nineteen is yeah. nineteen. Nineteen is substantial. I mean, it's it's off it's off the charts almost, right? Yeah. Um, 
But cool, on the other side of it, email signups. So have you signed up for more things since you've been locked down? Yeah, from, from a webinar perspective, obviously signing up for webinars and then also okay. just um, you know signing up for, for kind of different downloadable guides, uh, newsletters. I mean, you know, just, just okay. to kind of keep in the know, as it were. Yeah. Do you want to take a stab at how much this has increased? Uh, you've clearly seen that I'm bad at numbers anyway. But I'll say I know, we've got double we've got double digits. So let's say let's say fifteen fifteen percent. Let's go fifteen percent. Right. So newsletter or email signups are up by forty percent. <laughs> right. So again, <laughs> I mean just massive. So guys, yeah, yeah. again, if you're not giving people an opportunity to subscribe to your content, you know, if you're not hosting kind of events or webinars or, or got a blog or anything that offers any kind of subscription, um, change out because I mean people people are ready now to kind of you know want more emails and want more content which is which is probably the first time we've ever said that you know for many years actually um other things which I think were quite cool so days of the week so um now I'll, I, you know I'll tell a local story here and then we'll look at maybe how that's changed but when we're sending out newsletters from an Nexa perspective um especially if we're trying to target maybe business leaders CEOs uh, the types of people that are tuned in today for you know perhaps we would normally send out these mailers on a friday morning right and um and the first time we did that as a test uh, it was mind-blowing because literally we had a we had a huge increase in open rates click-through rates and then we just figured out that friday morning people don't have to go to the office they've got a bit of time they've got a cup of coffee in their hand they're still on their phones and uh, but they're quite quite ready to kind of you know read read perhaps a long email and most of the emails i send are are really long so um so you know fridays and weekend tendencies now that's a global thing so a lot of people do this so in the us for example uh, people wait until sort of saturday and sunday to send out emails uh post covid that's changed so um so now email open rates are kind of significantly lower on a weekend and much higher throughout the week and even on a monday morning or perhaps a sunday morning which is our equivalent um email open rates are at all-time high so again, you know, it's not one of them where I've got, I've got to be in the office. I've got a bunch of internal meetings first day of the week. Uh, now people are getting up maybe a little bit earlier, going through their inboxes and then having these kind of virtual zoom meetings. So, so I think when you look at stuff like that, a byproduct of uh, byproduct of us not having to spend so much time in our car is we're spending more time in our email inbox. And I don't know what, I don't know which one's better, but I mean, there's got to be a correlation to that, right? Because you're not just running from event to event. You've actually got no. time to, to kind of do these things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was quite cool. I've got, I've got some other insights. Um, subject lines. So again, you know, if we're talking about, you know, especially to you guys who are sending out emails, um, there's always been this kind of tendency and you read these email marketing rule books and they turn around and say, do you know what? Get whatever subject line you need to get within 20 characters. Right. And if you get, if you get it in 20 characters, your open rates are going to be higher than, it, than if it's anything more. Uh, one, of the, one of the bits of data that blew my mind was that companies that have just ignored this and have said, actually, we're going to focus on, uh, on character counts of over 60 or 65 characters. So forget about 20, but let's actually just go crazy on these subject lines. They've had, um, they've had a 19% increase in open rates. Um, compared to some of these shorter subject lines, which again, it's just like nuts, right? It's almost like these subject lines don't even fit within that screen, but because they don't fit, 
people are now having a little bit more time to read and it's these milliseconds of activity which are just having an impact um so i felt that was pretty cool um some more stuff so again if you've got any content that's related to the current situation uh people are more likely to open those emails so if you are addressing covid19 uh if you are kind of addressing you know the pandemic you know however it is that you kind of phrase it whatever you use with you know in terms of those words within the subject line 48 percent higher open rates um whenever you are kind of mentioning something that's real that people are kind of suffering or experiencing right now so so i thought that was pretty cool uh, a couple of other bits um and some words so words within the subject line if you're using words like urgent um 38 increase if you're open if you're using words like meeting there's been like a 12 percent decrease nobody wants to meet and so people aren't even opening those kinds of emails so don't use the word right. meeting okay. um what people are saying and what the data shows is show urgency, right? If, if you know, you want someone to click on an email, make it, uh, you know, make them feel as if they've got to prioritize opening that mail. So I think that's, that's pretty cool. Um, but again, that's like a 38% increase if you're using, you know, uh, words like urgent. Um, and then there's some cool stuff. And, and I kind of, you know, I, we, we test stuff a lot. And those of you who receive our emails know that we test, things like emojis and, and different kind of spelling and capitalization and all that kind of stuff. And again, all the data that, that was being shared was that just make your, make your subject lines more quirky. So if we look at things like um, exaggeration of spelling, you know, I think we, what we should have done, Andrew, now thinking about this is I probably should have done two different versions, one with Vegas and then one with Vegas or something like that, you know, we're yeah, yeah. about, <laughs> exactly. about six A's or something. I don't know. Yeah. But apparently, uh, I mean, exaggeration yeah. in spelling has an 18% increase, uh, will increase your open rates by 18%. Um, <laughs> right? Which, again, it just stands out. And, you know, again, you, you're trying to catch eyeballs. That must have been a tough one for you to, to swallow, though, with your, you are the grammar police. So exaggeration no, I mean, like, in spelling, yeah. that must have killed you. <laughs> no, but, you know, as, as I'm getting kind of older and younger at the same time, I'm kind of, I'm kind <laughs> of down with all this stuff, mate. Um, and spending yeah, my Saturdays as I do now recording podcasts with my kids is um, is opening my eyes to a whole level of stuff. So uh, yeah, this, this is, just because you is, said uh, the word down means that you're old, yeah. Just to let you know, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's fine. You know, they're not listening. <laughs> I'm not worried about you. But I'm not worried about you giving me uh, any grief for that. It's it's more, it's more my kids. But anyway, um, final final other bits um, emojis. Yeah. Who uses emojis in emails, right? So, um, you now, and again, I do like I, I love it, right? And because I have measured it, and so it was like, you know, I know this data when he was talking about it. But B2B emails are being opened 14% more when they include an emoji in the subject line than when they don't. And when we talk about right. B2C, so you know, whether it's e commerce or whether it's products yeah. or whatever it is, um, at 17%. So if you want to increase, you know, your open rates by a fifth, literally put some sort of emoji in there. Um, yeah. Try to try to be sort of culturally sensitive. You know, sometimes that doesn't increase uh, um, open rates, as we saw with my fruit machine uh, <laughs> emoji yesterday. But that's all right. This is how we this is how we learn. Um, and um, yeah, but I think I think the whole key to this, and and again, how that speaker left it was send more emails. Right, because yeah. for the first time, people are open to receiving emails. They're spending more time in their inboxes. But if you're sending emails, make sure they're not boring. 
make sure that they catch, you know, catch their eye catching in terms of subject lines, make sure there's some thought that's gone into it. Um, and, and actually on the back of it, you should do much better out of it. And, and look, in all fairness, um, we've seen that across the board. You know, we've seen, we've seen the email rates as high as 35% with some campaigns, which is unheard of. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think a really kind of good session and, um, yeah, I just loved it. Obviously, I love data, so so that kind of helps. No, but, no um, I think yeah. also that, that we've all, we've often said that you know that that kind of email marketing is the ugly stepchild, and it, it kind of gets forgotten and it's put in a corner. And I think companies that have continued to communicate with their database or you know their customers or prospects through email um, have obviously seen seen the results, the positive results on on the back of that. Because for sure, I think there is a a heightened sensitivity either to you know data or just kind of you know burying yourself as you said in, in your inbox um you know you, you you're kind of a lot more you know on on top of it and, and kind of saying okay yeah what is this and and there is there's more you're getting more communication through that space so when you're signing up for these you know these webinars or these downloadable guides or anything like that you want to make sure that you're you're on top of it so you are kind of seeing that and there's a lot of subscriptions now that people have moved online from obviously physical activity. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that we're just all, all more aware of our inbox. And, and that goes, like you said, for B2B to B2C. I mean, a lot more people are doing uh, kind of online deliveries. A lot more people are doing home delivery restaurants, you know, and all of this communication is yeah, not only sent to you via SMS, sometimes through the app, but they always send you an email, right? Bang, here's the email, here's the email. Yeah. This is kind of, you know, where your bucket of KFC is at the moment. Yeah, and, and exactly right. I mean, you know, maybe not exactly KFC, but, but, but you know what I mean. I think the, the point is, is don't be afraid to send emails. And, you know, it's weird. I still I still speak to companies and and they obsess over unsubscribes. And they're like, oh, you know, like we had, you know, six people unsubscribed from our last newsletter. You know, and I'm like, good, right? Good. Like they've taken space in your database. Don't worry about it. You know, they're unsubscribing because they're not interested in working with you or, or listening yeah. to what you've got to say. You know, but your database has grown by 120 in that time. You know, there's no issues with it. And, and I think once people, again, I, I wouldn't even report on unsubscribes. Like genuinely, I think if, if yeah. someone was running campaigns for us, um, the last metric I'd care about was on, would be unsubscribes because for me, look, we are who we are and as long as the messaging and the content is true to who we are as a business if 10 percent of those people want to unsubscribe it's fine you know that's their prerogative right it doesn't it doesn't make any difference because potentially they're not going to work with you anyway so so cool i think i think let's move on because a few minutes left um andrew let's talk about hubspot itself because i know we've got some hubspots listening to us right now um HubSpot announced some changes. I mean, this is normally the time of year when they do up, uh, announce kind of new updates to the software, licensing issue, um, sorry, licensing updates, and new product updates. Uh, key takeaways from that, Andrew, from your side? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, you know, was probably one of the most casual things. So um, there's, with, with the move um, for HubSpot into more of a enterprise, layer environment so so they've really kind of you know grown up i'd say over the last couple of years where you know they're they're obviously you know grassroots were solopreneurs entrepreneurs then kind of smes then building up mid-size um but obviously they they started to go after enterprise uh enterprise layer clients uh you know 18 months ago with with some of the kind of enterprise layer licensing 
and there was always a bit of a bit of a kind of a sticking point with marketing contacts. So if you look at the other kind of enterprise layer solutions on the market, um, you know, when companies wanted to engage with them, they weren't charged per contact, for example. Um, you know, even if you didn't kind of market to those individuals in the HubSpot world, uh, you were you were charged for them. So the big shift, and it was very casual by Damesh, it literally was like a one-liner, um, is where they've kind of re-looked at this now. So from a contacts perspective, you know, they're not going to charge you unless you actually market to that contact. So I think that's huge. Um, it, you know, it was, it was said super casually, I guess, because obviously there are some enterprise um, uh, clients. We've got some ourselves that, that are kind of are paid for those contacts. And, and, and we see how that shakes down in the next, uh, next few weeks here. Um, but, but I think that's, that's, you know, a big, a big takeaway, like a big, big announcement, a big announcement, but, but under their breath, which was odd. Um, I yeah. get the reason why, but, but yeah, that was, that was a big one. It was, um, yeah, perhaps so their shareholders didn't hear them. I don't know. It was, it was weird. <laughs> the, the, um, this is cost saving. Okay. So this is, yes. look, so I think it fits from a COVID perspective. Yeah. I think there's a lot of industries that would love to use HubSpot, but just can't because of that contact issue. So there's been yeah. hotel groups. I mean, HubSpot for hotels would just be a phenomenal tool, right? The, um, yeah. It would literally, having, having HubSpot in that industry would just mean that every hotel could market like booking.com or Expedia. Exactly. Okay? Revolutionize. But, but hotels with 500 rooms potentially have 500 guests a night. Maybe not now, but, you know, in the good times. Yeah. 500 guests a night is three and a half thousand people a week, right? So that's three and a half thousand contacts you're creating a week. Over a year, you're talking about what, 175,000 contacts? Yeah. Easy. And, and that's, without, is, that's without Wi Fi outlets, people coming in the lobby, connecting. Right, exactly. All adding to your exactly. database, right? Yeah. So your potential data size is what, 300, 400,000 contacts for maybe, yeah. a, for maybe a 500 room hotel? And those numbers just don't make sense, right? It just doesn't, it just doesn't balance out. And so in the past, we've had many people who are very keen on using it for the hotels, but the second we start to map out the contacts, it becomes a bit of a stumbling block. Um, this now solves that problem, right? It now means, okay, look, you only want to market to those 5,000, but still keep, you know, that 300,000 on your database. No issues, you're not going to pay for those, you know, 295,000 people just pay for the 5,000 and I think that's such a big change. Uh, so yeah, it was bizarre that they didn't make a, make, but make a lot more of it. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's other, there's other kind of things at play. HubSpot needed to make that change. I think they're now, you know, they're every review and rating rates them above Salesforce, rates them, rates them above any competitor from a usability yeah. perspective and from a product perspective, this felt a little bit childish in terms of how that pricing model was before. And I think this now means they've grown up. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. I quite like it. Very, very, very pleased with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there was there was some other. I guess um, I think what what we're probably going to do is we'll probably have a HubSpot session um, because obviously they've enhanced the the kind of object handling in in sales enterprise as well, um, which I think is going to be beneficial for the real estate industry. Um, so there's definitely been some challenges from real estate yeah. where you were not able to kind of individualize um, uh, contact data. Uh, so maybe a prospect that's interested in a particular area or something like that. So I think that's going to help. Um, and obviously there's, there's some updates to the reporting um, and, and how obviously you can perform the enhanced reports. Um, but I think it will be good, uh, good to probably jump on a, 
because uh, we've got some HubSpotters I can see in the in the audience to to kind of do a breakout session, perhaps in the next coming weeks, where we take a bit of a deeper dive into that. Was there anything yeah, else cool. for you that that you felt kind of stood out? No, or? I mean, no, I think I think this kind of almost goes back to the event itself, where normally we'd end up having. I think they've held a lot back, if I'm honest with you. So you know, there's there's normally you know twenty five thousand people engaged by by uh, the founders of HubSpot when they're kind of announcing kind of new directions and and new updates and things like that. And and I just felt they probably didn't have the platform to do that this time. Um, so I'm expecting a lot more kind of uh, updates and announcements as well. I think one more thing we will be um, you know it's probably a good time to mention that again moving moving an event from sort of the real world to to virtual um i think as as some of you guys know nexa look after hubspot's official uh, hubspot user groups here so essentially we run these kind of uh, quarterly events on hubspot's behalf and um and they've been on hold for the last few months as we were trying to figure out what was going on around us and hubspot were trying to figure some stuff out but we've got um, we've got our first uh, HubSpot user group for a while. Uh, it's going to be at some point next week. Uh, we're going to have a special guest as well, Andrew. So it's going to be uh, one of the senior uh, senior bods up in uh, HubSpot Dublin, uh, a guy called Ed Barrett. And uh, Ed's very keen to kind of join us on our kind of HubSpot user group. So he'll be sharing some kind of insights um, and some updates and things like that as well. So if you guys have got any kind of specific interested in, in kind of learn, learning more about HubSpot, learning more about what's going on, some of the new kind of sales uh, techniques and tactics. Um, you know, just we'll, we'll send the mail out to you anyway, but yeah, it'll be good for you guys to kind of potentially join that. And again, it will be a kind of virtual event. Um, but yeah, with, with some special guests, hopefully. So yeah, we'll keep you, we'll keep you informed of that. Fantastic. Good news. Cool. So uh, guys, I think, I think that's it for today. Bang on, uh, bang on the hour. Um, getting good at this now. So, um, stuck in twenty-one yeah, episodes, but we're now we're now on time. Um, where can people find us if they want to if they want to kind of tune in or share this with their yeah, friends? Yeah, that's uh, you. So you can find us on uh, the Digital Nexa. Uh, that's how it's framed on on YouTube. You can uh, watch the Digital Growth Show on there. You can tune into the show obviously on the Nexa website, and we've also now packaged it up as a podcast. So the podcast goes out weekly as well, so you can kind of listen to your heart's content uh, on there as well. And as always, you can connect with myself and Amit on LinkedIn. Happy to connect, happy to have a conversation, jump on a Zoom, have a virtual coffee, as it were. Um, so yeah, please feel free to reach out. Awesome, and I think that's it. And I guess, just I guess last but not least, because I've got about 10 seconds, it's Q4 next week. So I just want to kind of wish everyone a happy Q4 because I'm hoping it's much happier than Q1, Q2, and Q3. So, so yeah, let's um, let's hope this last sort of quarter of the year um, finishes finishes a lot brighter for for many of us. So, so yeah, cool. I think that's it, guys. So thanks for tuning in. Um, thanks for your thanks for your uh, comments. We've had a couple that come in, um, and guys, we'll see you, we'll see you next week. All right, take care. See you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye.